Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. If you're sitting next to a visitor tonight and as you're walking out, they say to you, I really enjoy the service, but what's this church about? Could you explain what our one purpose is? That's your side issue. I like this thing. I like... No, could you explain what the mission statement of this church is? What we're trying to do? What the one purpose is? Well, you should have from some of our teachings recently. It's to make God look good. What is the purpose of the church universal? Why are we still here on this earth? Why, right after we got saved, didn't God just whisk us into heaven to praise him in front of his throne? Jesus gave the answer in his prayer in John 17. Our purpose is to demonstrate the unity that only God can bring about, showing the world the truth of what we believe. Pastor Mark is using Philippians to teach us in a more in-depth manner the necessity of believers to behave like a family. More than merely an organization, we become a living entity, allowing the Spirit of God to work through us to the world around us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 2 with part 2 of his message, Gel and Flow Together. Everyone is needed. When we came here, we were like, mm, this is going to be a stretch for us. But I was really encouraged. Here's what they said. We actually believe this is the friendliest church we've ever been in. Thousands and thousands of people. That's kudos to you. By the way, I'm speaking kind words into your ears right now. Did you get me? But it's true. They were speaking kind words to me. I need kind words. And that comes from koinonia, family. We're getting to know one another. As I said, as you understand that, that's why we hang out after the services. We get to know one another. We just don't run to the car, go home, push the gate thing, put the garage door down, and sit in the back in a fenced-in yard and hum something like I'm lonely or whatever. (laughs) Cut it out. Be family. Be family. And in other words, every resource we have comes from God. I can do whatever he asks me to do because we're family. We're partnered with him. Next, the last one. Notice, tenderness and compassion. It really means in the original language, a heart of mercy and compassion. When we come to God, not only is there grace, but there's mercy. So number four, write this down. When we're in Christ, we get God's mercy. What does that simply mean? It means that we don't get what we deserve. Hallelujah. We just don't get what we deserve. Now, you remember 
when you were younger and mom and dad would tell you to do whatever. I remember once my mom said, don't go outside the house. You haven't been whatever and you can't go outside the house. Okay, okay. So they left. <laughs> I, just went, I just went to the front porch. Just a little step right there. That's as far as I went. I thought, well, this is good enough. This is fine. They'll never know it. I'm here. I'm talking with my friends. They wanted to play ball. So I'm playing ball with them. But I'm only outside the door, so I'm cool. Except the first ball I hit went through the glass window of the neighbor. Now, what would I expect to get when mom and dad came home? I actually got it. (laughs) Plus, I had to pay for the window. You know, God's a God of mercy. You realize how often you don't get what you deserve? God's a, a merciful God. Because we're united with him in Christ, that's how we became believers. We didn't deserve it. He saved us, not because of our goodness, but because of his grace. We didn't deserve it. He's a God full of compassion and mercy, and he's a tender God. That sounds very strange, but he is. He's a tender God. And that simply means then, as we see these four things, let's look at them and review them. Look at your notes. We have a God of encouragement, someone that comes alongside us to support us. God comes alongside us. Number two, we have a God who comes alongside us with encouraging words. He speaks to us. You can do it. Go for it. A God who, well, we're part of him. We belong. We're partners. And so... All the resources the Holy Spirit has, I get. Because I'm family with him. That koinonia, that partnership. And number four, mercy. God's a God of mercy. Now when you look at all four of those, how does that apply to us? What is any as usual? Thanks, Pastor Mark. That was really great to see a little bit of the character of God and who he is. But what in the world does any of that have to do with me? Well, everything. Just look at me for a moment. I'll explain to you. Then we'll read the verse and make a lot of sense. In verse 1, we get, if you're in Christ, you get these four things. Lots more, but you get these four things. He's reminding the church. Verse 2, he says, um, now you mimic God. I want you to do the same four things in a similar way to the people that you're around. So you be God in the church where you're at. And so we're going to see the wording he uses, and we're going to see how to do that. Then we're going to understand, why don't I do it sometimes? Why am I not really filled with mercy sometimes? And I want to get revenge. What does that look like? We'll learn all of that in verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4. Now let's look at verse 2. Then make my joy complete or full by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit, one accord, and of the, of the same mind or the same purpose. So Paul says to the church, you have God to encourage you. You have God to comfort you. You have God to speak kind words to you. You have God to make you feel like you belong. And finally, you have a God that shows you mercy when you don't deserve it. Now, Paul says, imitate God. The same way. Use these four ways and more to treat one another in the church. Remember, there was a little bit of division. He says, you shouldn't have any of that because when I hear that you're treating, that division is gone and you're treating each other like God treats you, then my joy will be filled. It'll just be running over. So three keys I'll give you tonight as we go through. Here's the first one, and it's for all of us. Christ followers, 
uh, flow in unity. Remember, the title tonight is to gel or flow together. So we need to flow together in unity. That's really what he says there in verse 2. Now, what does that look like? Let me give you a practical illustration. This is the church in Sebastian. And this is the workers. Pastor Norm got out. The school had really, it's a great school, great auditorium seats, a thousand people. But there was a lot of stuff outside that just needed to be done. Trimming and stuff. They cut back like everybody today. They've cut back all these workers. And, and, and so they, Norm got 55 people from the campus. And they went that day. Take a look at all the things they're doing. See, this is flowing unity. They, for the football team, they built lockers for the football team. And you just got together and did all this stuff. So you see, and there's lots more pictures, but those are just the ones I want to show you. Now, all of a sudden, the school district emailing us, great job, thank you so much, amazing that a church would do this. Ah, wonderful. Is that like good or not? That's like, a, well, who did that? The people there did that. The people did it. They got out. And I'll read to you what Norm said to me. He said, all the work was completed. We had 55 different folks working through the weekend. We received great feedback from the school regarding the work we did. We also built an equipment room for the football team, mulched the whole campus, added dirt to low-lying areas, trimmed over 60 trees, and pressure-washed the whole courtyard. Praise God. Now, Felix would like some of that help right on this campus. Felix does all of that, so if you'd like to sign up, Felix is right here in the service tonight. Just go to him and say, man, we're not going to let Sebastian do that to us. We're going to do it. And I don't know who does it for Pastor Dean up there, but I'm sure he's got a group that would like it. So notice what Norm said to me. He didn't even know what I'm teaching on. Norm says this. Take a look at the pictures and see the joy in serving. What a blessing to serve alongside such great servants. That's exactly what they were doing. They were a team, and they were flowing together with one purpose. What was the purpose? Make the church where they're at, which is a school, six days a week, look good. How did it happen? Lots of hard work. Would you be part of it? If we call the work day here, would you show? Well, Pastor Mark, I'm like, I'm not into that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, you, you know, it's 100 degrees out there. You know that, don't you? Just a little challenge. Just a little challenge. Vieira would show. I know they would do it. <laughs> Felix, get your sheets ready, baby. All right. Look what verse 2 says in the New Living Translation. I think it's great. It says this. Paul says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. That's it. Paul says, have the same mind. Think the way Christ would think. Flow together in unity. Respect each other's opinions. Let the Spirit bring consensus and unity. Being like-minded. Flow together. So that means in our elder meetings. That means in your organizational meetings. That means in your small groups. We're not talking about everybody just mm, wear uniforms. We all look like zombies or whatever. No, we have to have all kinds of input. But when you're finished with it, respect one another, flow together, let the Spirit speak to you. We're family. And being like-minded in a one mind, the bottom line to that is simply this. It literally means to think one thought and have one purpose. Well, 
what is our one purpose here at CCM? What does that look like? If you're sitting next to a visitor tonight, and as you're walking out, they say to you, I really enjoy the service, but what's this church about? Could you explain what our one purpose is? That's your side issue. I like this thing. And I, no, could you explain what the mission statement of this church is? What we're trying to do? What the one purpose is? Well, you should have from some of our teachings recently. It's to make God look good. Well, how do we make God look good? In a million ways, but that's our goal. It's not to make us look good. Notice the comments from the Sebastian people that are not believers. Surprised that a church would do this. Well, God would do it. God's creation looks good, doesn't it? So here, I want to remind you, you can't get away from this. We have five core principles. This is who we are. This is our purpose. This is how we make God look good here. All of these flow together. You ought to know these. You ought to have these on your eyelids. In fact, we're going to do a book shortly where I taught on all of these, and you'll have a little booklet. It'll be part of leadership. If you're going to be part of a leader here, you have to learn these. You have to go through them. What are they? Very simply. Number one, this is, this is common purpose for every one of us on our campus. Commit to be a, a growing follower of Christ. One of the largest churches in the United States recently, pastor was pretty bold. Basically, he got up and he said this. If you're coming to our campus and you have no desire to get closer to God. You, you really don't want to grow. You don't want to mature in your walk. He said, you really need to find another church. What he's saying is, we don't have time to waste with people who just want to take up space. I heard a younger pastor before when the church was exploding. He said, if you really don't want to be here, we need your seat. I'm serious. Now he's a little young. You know how little young people can do. I probably did that myself years ago, but we might be able to use your seat, I would say, tonight or something, because I'm a little more mature. But what was he really trying to say? What was he really trying to say? Get with it! So if you're here, you should commit to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's what God's Word says to do. Next, celebrate. We'll talk about that at the end. We're celebrating here tonight, guess you didn't know it. In Vier, we're celebrating. Say the word with me, celebrate. Celebrate. Does that sound like celebrate? (laughs) If your team just won whatever, if you just won the lottery, and I don't, you shouldn't even play the lottery, but But if you won, how would you say celebrate? Celebrate. That's exactly right. That's what should happen. Number three, connect. That's the word fellowship. You're not here to do church alone. You will never be successful. You have to be in some kind of a small group. Connect. Next, communicate. How are we going to make this place bigger? How are we going to get more people into the kingdom of God? More than 2 billion people don't know Jesus. How are we going to do that? You have to communicate the good news. And it isn't just bring them here so I or Pastor Dave or Dean or whoever is teaching you can bring them to the Lord. You bring them to the Lord. Communicate that. We talk about that a lot. And last, contribute. Your time, your passion, your talents, possessions. That's what, that's what Sebastian did. It was their time and their effort and their sweat to make the place look good. Now look at the bottom of this. It's people. 
That's why we're here for. God's important. People are important in our time. That's it. That's the one purpose. That's why we're here. If things we're doing don't fit into that, we pretty much set them aside. And we go through those over and over again. We'll be setting some other things aside and adding some other ones. That's what Paul's talking about. Now notice again, let me read that verse for you again. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly and with each other, loving one another and working together. Paul says, make my joy complete by learning to love one another, even if you have differences. Use your talents, your strengths. God needs every one of you. Use your gift. Whatever that is, God will help you. Respect others and their gifting. You're not a one-man team. You're not a one-woman team. We're flowing together. In other words, love one another. Work together. Get into the lives of other people. Once you see this little video from one of our elders' wives, and I want you to picture how family works. And how we love one another, we comfort one another, we come alongside each other, we say comfortable words to another, how we go out of our way to minister to other people, and then in turn we take that and do the other. You'll enjoy this video very much. Hi, my name is Gina, and Pastor Mark asked me to share with you guys about what happened to me last year. I'll start by saying I'm a registered nurse, and as a result of that, I tend to be pretty conscientious about my physicals and screenings that have to be done. One of the screenings that I've had done on a regular basis for the last 12 years is a mammogram. Well, this time when I had my mammogram, I was called back because they saw a suspicious area. Ultimately, after many tests, I ended up in my surgeon's office who recommended that we do a biopsy. The biopsy came back positive for breast cancer. This was a, a shock for me and my husband. There is no family history of breast cancer in my family. Both of my parents are alive and they have brothers and sisters that are alive and I have four sisters of my own so there is no um, history but luckily they found it early but I still was going to have to have a course of chemotherapy and radiation. Well when I got this news it took me a few days and my husband a few days to kind of just assimilate it all and I remember distinctly one night being sound asleep and then being woken up with my heart racing and my mind going in just a thousand different directions. I was just gripped with fear. It was a fear that I had never experienced before. I got up and went into my study where I usually do my devotions and I'm so grateful that I had a habit when I do my devotions that if the Lord speaks something specific to me, I'll usually write it down on a three by five card and a lot of times I'll date it. Well, this particular night, I grabbed my stack of cards. The Lord just kind of nudged me to do that rather than my Bible. And the card that I had pulled was written uh, months earlier. Uh, so little did I know that that scripture was going to mean so much to me. And I'm just going to read it to you and you'll understand why. It's Isaiah 35 verses 3 and 4. And it says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Now, how specific is that? I'm gripped with fear. My heart is racing, and the Lord uses those very words to minister to me. And I just did what the scripture said. I just said to my fearful heart to be strong, and I just began to pray. And the amazing thing 
that happens as a believer that's just so wonderful is, is that you can be gripped with fear one minute and the next minute because of God and our relationship with him he can take it away and so I would say probably in less than five minutes I went from being gripped with fear just to having peace and was able to go back to sleep and that type of thing happened on and off whenever I would get afraid the Lord showed me what to do you go to his word you let him speak to you and he would just calm me down the other thing that really stands out in my mind is I remember wondering how the people in our church would respond to us because my husband and I have been in this fellowship for for so many years but we're accustomed to being those that minister to people not receive from people and honestly I just wasn't sure how people would respond or what would happen and I was I was overwhelmed with love I was overwhelmed with love that expressed itself through cards and emails and phone calls and meals and we just felt loved my husband and I both that it just was it was God's way of sticking his hand out and touching us and he used this fellowship in particularly to do that it, it was wonderful it was overwhelming we'll, we'll never forget that demonstration of God's love and the last thing that meant so much to me is I just remember uh, through my walk with the Lord that nothing that we go through is ever just for ourselves I wasn't sure how God was going to turn this thing around or what the outcome was going to be, but I, I do know that I wanted it to minister to other people. And I was especially concerned about those people that, that may not know the Lord and not have the comfort of His Word or the fellowship of a church uh, to help them. And that's kind of how Women of Hope was born. Women of Hope is a support group that we have here at Calvary. We meet the first and third Mondays of every month. And uh, we, it's a very simple format. We usually have a worship song that we listen to. And then I share a scripture that uh, we try to apply to our lives. And then the women fellowship and they share with one another. We pray for one another. Uh, my hope for the group is that we develop friendships outside of the group uh, to minister to one another. And it's just been a lot of fun. Uh, the ladies that are coming are, are very precious. They're developing relationships. Um, and it's open not just to the people in our fellowship, but it's specifically open to the people in our community. We have people coming from other churches. We have uh, some of my neighbors have started to come. So um, you're you're all welcome to come. And I hope that if you come, we can minister to you. And um, oh, by the way, did I tell you we always have cookies? <laughs> What did you get from that? Do you understand? If you're not in a loving family, I really don't know how people do life. You see, we're to comfort one another. Let me read you 2 Corinthians. God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Today, Pastor Mark talked about the purpose of the church, why we exist. We found out that our primary purpose is to serve God and to follow His commandments the way He wants us to. Doing this God's way requires that we follow what the Apostle Paul said, agreeing with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. 
you don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll wrap up the teaching, gel and flow together, everyone is needed. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the root of most of our problems with getting along, selfishness. He'll be talking about how we can learn to become more selfless, like Jesus, and how this benefits us in the church, and how the acronym JOY fits into all of this. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.